You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Our for The Big Show continues here on this Friday. I'm Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody along with me. We go back down that Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, we are joined by CFL reporter from Three Down Nation, John Hodge, talking all things CFL free agency. It's the negotiation window this week. Free agency officially opens on Tuesday. John, how are we doing on this Friday, buddy? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Oh, doing all right. Doing all right. Can't complain here. So, yeah, the negotiation uh, period's been open for a week now. We've seen a lot of action already. Uh, Just this morning, the Toronto Argonauts making some news. Uh, Florian Arimelade, former Stampeder, becoming the highest-paid defensive end in the league. And Andrew Harris coming back for another year in 2023. What have you made uh, from this negotiation week? Anything stand out from you? Well, I, I think that this is, you know, it's first of all, it's a relatively new phenomenon. Still, this is something that the CFL implemented just a few years ago. And to me, it's been a home run. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. that I think has made free agency more of an event, so to speak. I think this is something that gets people, you know, interested in, in how these signings and how these deals are developing over a bit of a longer period of time versus in the old days when, you know, there'd be some, you know, kind of cloak and dagger rumors leading up to the big day. And then, you know, the day hits, uh, a ton of signings happen. Of course, a lot of the signings, even in the old days, were illegally negotiated before the before the, the period got underway. But now there is the legal tampering period that allows teams to talk to players for a week. So it's been a bit of a tough week for the Calgary Stampeders. I will say you highlighted Florin Arimelade. Mm-hmm. He's off to join Corey Mace with the Toronto Argonauts, former D-line coach. With the Stamps, won a great cup this past season as the defensive coordinator uh, with Toronto. They were also looking at losing Jameer Thurman, mm-hmm. reportedly heading heading to the Hamilton Tiger Cats as their new middle linebacker. So I'm sure that the Calgary Stampeders will be at least somewhat active in free agency. But to my knowledge, they've yet to agree to terms with any pending free agents, and they have lost a couple of key guys themselves. Yeah, and here in Calgary, we, we obviously it's a big move in the in the front office as John Huffnagel moves up to president, Dave Dickinson as general manager to his duties. Uh, they did a, they did some of their work earlier on in the offseason, bringing back some key names. Cam Judge is a name, Derek Dennis as well. But you mentioned Jameer Thurman. He's on his way out. Arimelade is on his way out. Uh, how are you thinking? And, and as well, Bo Levi Mitchell, that's another loss as it's now a Jake Mayer and Tommy Stevens quarterback room. Where do you think the Stamps need to focus their free agency? Because Dave sa- Davis said that good teams don't usually have to show, make a show on the opening day of free agency. And Calgary has been one of those teams that they always come in a little bit after that first wave. They do. I, I think an area they need to get better this upcoming season is at receiver. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they re-signed uh, Reggie Bagleton. Yes, they got Malik Henry under contract through three years. I'm high on Jalen Philpot, what he was able to do, but the Stamps simply did not get enough out of their other spots in the receiving core. And I think to really help Jake Mayer make that adjustment to his first full season as a CFL starter in 2023, I think they need to do a better job of giving him weapons. I don't expect Kamar Jordan will be back with the team. That's a spot at that uh, 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 field side slot receiver spot. I think they need to improve. That's a position where maybe you look at the free agent market. It looks like Eugene Lewis is spoken for, but is a guy like Tim White, is a guy like Greg Ellingson, even Darrell Walker, potentially an option. Rasheed Bailey, who I think is an underrated receiver, 
who is uh, who's, who's likely going to free agency from Winnipeg. You know, I know that traditionally that's not what the Stampeders have done. They've not been terribly active in free agency, but that's a position at which I would like to see them make a move specifically to help Jake Mayer have a, a little bit more firepower to work with in that receiving core. It's one of the more uh, over in Saskatchewan. Uh, I think it's got to be one of the more important off seasons in me- recent memory uh, for the Riders. It starts with them shoring up that quarterback position and getting, you know, getting Trevor Harris or moving on from Cody Fajardo. How important is that Rider off season right now? I don't think it can be understated. To be quite honest, mm-hmm. I mean, this was this past year as much as 2013, right? The second most recent time they hosted the Grey Cup was the greatest season in Rider history. Mm-hmm. I think 2022. This most recent year they hosted the Grey Cup had to have been one of the most disappointing seasons in Ryder history. This was a team that came into the year having made two consecutive West Finals, was looking to take that next step. And not only did they not take that next step, they kind of fell completely off the back of the bus, right? They finished Mm -hmm. 6-12 and after what appeared to be a promising 4-1 and start. That's something I think a lot of people forgot, given how poorly their season ended, was just how well it started. Yes, their schedule was a little bit soft at the start of the year, but you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And in a, in, a, in a nine-team league where six teams make the playoffs, you'd certainly hope that a 4-1 and one start would equate to a playoff berth. And, and in the end, they weren't even particularly close to making the playoffs. So to me, this is a, a, an absolutely paramount offseason for Saskatchewan. That brain trust there, general manager Jeremy O'Day, head coach Craig Dickinson, and, and a lot of the assistants around them, are all set to be quote-unquote free agents after the 2023 season, right? They're entering the last year of their deals. They were not offered extensions. Mm -hmm. So obviously they understand the ramifications. If they do not have a good season, I see no reason why any of those individuals would be brought back. So when you have coaches coaching for their their coaching lives, so to speak, or, or guys in the front office feeling that pressure to get things right, in Ryderville, they need to be active. And I think they've done a good job. Trevor Harris, I think, certainly will help that offensive line. No, he's not the most mobile quarterback in the CFL, but he's someone who gets rid of the ball extremely quickly. Uh, Jake Winicky, a receiver that they, uh, a receiver that Harris had with him in Montreal, is, has reportedly agreed to terms. And I, this is yet to, be, yet to be determined, but I believe Darius Sirocco will be coming over to be the new center of that team dan clark has been there for you know a a decade uh but a little bit long in the tooth missed a lot of last season with a broken leg so they have made a lot of moves to get better and i think there's moves still to come how much was the that coaching cap uh in the league uh affect maybe like with the riders did did they maybe even did did you do think they considered moving on from craig dickinson uh even despite the coaching cap well, the, the coaching cap essentially limits the ability for teams to to add new coaches, mm-hmm. right? Or, or And the way in which it does that, of course, is if you, you get rid of a coach because coaches, of course, have guaranteed contracts. Players don't. Coaches do. Uh, you still have to pay that coach, and it comes out of that cap, and, and it inhibits your ability to bring in new people. And as we know, head coaches like to be surrounded by their own guys, mm-hmm. right? That is something that traditionally follows when a head coach – goes somewhere they are unlikely to keep the existing oc the existing dc etc what they want to do is is go and hire all the guys who they have good relationships with who they've worked with in the past who they've promised in past years that's very common for upcoming assistant head coaches hey if 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 i ever become a head coach you'll be my oc and if 
if you ever become a head coach, then I'll be your DC, right? Those yeah. type of handshake agreements happen on the road over beers, sometimes, you know, 10 years before either guy gets their first head coaching job. So that's, uh, that's something that I, I do think played a role in Saskatchewan because not only would, would the next head coach of the team, whoever they might be, uh, have to replace Craig Dickinson with that, that salary, but, you know, when you want to attract a good head coaching candidate, an exciting up-and-coming head coaching candidate, you need to be able to give them the autonomy to, to pick who their assistants are going to be. And the other thing that coaches look for as candidates is they want to see a quality quarterback because there's no better way to limit the success you'll have and the longevity you'll have as a head coach than going to a team with no quarterback. And the Riders did not have a quarterback at the end of last season. Cody Fajardo, pending free agent, has reportedly agreed to terms with the Montreal mm-hmm. Alouettes. And um, obviously at, at this point, uh, pardon me, at, at uh, you know coming out of the last season, there's no way anybody would have pointed at Saskatchewan and said, oh, Trevor Harris is definitely going there. So, you know, I think those were all factors in it. But, but yes, the coaching cap, which I understand why the coaching cap is there. CFL teams need cost certainty, mm-hmm. especially with the league looking to add a 10th team. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I would, I'd be lying if I said I was a fan of the cap. I think it holds teams back yeah. in, in some respects. Uh, Winnipeg keeping this window open for at least a couple more seasons to to keep, continue winning some Grey Cups or at least get back to the games. They're bringing everybody back, extending Mike O'Shea. Uh, you know, despite falling in the Grey Cup uh, last season to Toronto, is it, do you think they're still the team to beat in the league? I do, though I will say the, the 2023 Winnipeg Blue Bombers are reminding me a little bit of the 2019 Calgary Stampeders, mm. which is to say a very, very good team, but seemingly coming towards the end of, of a little bit of a run here. Yes, Zach Kolaris is under contract through 2025. Yes, they just re-signed Nick Dembski through 2025. They do have some very good, talented players. I do not think this team is going to be back at any point over the next few years just like the Calgary Stampeders are still a, a, a very solid team. They've never been bad since their, their dynasty run of let's call it 2014 to 2018 mm-hmm. kind of came to an end. But, you know, the Stampeders have not won a, a playoff game in three seasons. And I don't think that's the future that the Bombers want to fall into. And I have a little bit of concern when it comes to the age of this team, right? You've got Stanley Bryant back at yeah. the age of 37, at left tackle, Jamarcus Hardrick is entering his mid-30s at right tackle. You know, Patrick Newfelt entering his mid-30s at right guard. It's a very aging offensive line. They've got some aging weapons, aging defenders. I mean, Willie Jefferson is great, but he's in his 30s. Adam Bakehill is great. He's in his mid-30s. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this is a team that, that has brought the band back together again for 2023 largely. They are going to lose a couple of good players, of course, in free agency, as most teams do, though they've added Kenny Lawler back. Yep. So that could be kind of a, you know, a, a net, you know, neutral, so to speak. You know, you, you're losing a couple guys, but you're bringing in arguably the best receiver in the league who, who, who helped you win two great cups, by the way, in, in 2019, 2021. Though that is being said, this is a team that at some point needs to realize that the band needs to evolve a little bit. If all you ever do is bring the band back together and your entire roster gets old at once, that's not going to age well. And so I, I would expect that, that this year is, uh, is probably going to be the last year that this team looks the way that it does. What I mean by that is not that the team's going to overhaul completely for 2024, but I think there are some marquee names that we're very used to seeing in blue and gold mm-hmm. who are probably entering their last years with the club. 
Talking with John Hodge, CFL reporter out at Three Down Nation. Uh, up the QEW, or QE2, I should say, uh, in Edmonton, uh, the Elks. Uh, we talk about the Riders and their important offseason. Edmonton, uh, it's been a bit, a little bit of a disaster, uh, at least record-wise, for the last couple of years. You started to see a little bit of that foundation being laid last year with Chris Jones in his uh, uh, second incarnation with the with the Edmonton team. Year two, how are we looking? Uh, and, you know, they've had a pretty sneaky good uh, opening uh, negotiation window here as well. Well, they've certainly added some firepower. Eugene Lewis expected to sign there. In my mind, he's the best receiver in the CFL. No disrespect to Kenny Lawler, who I think is a close second. But Stephen Dunbar was a 1,000-yard receiver. He's likely headed there. They added Kyron Moore, who did some great things with Saskatchewan in 2019. These past couple years as a, a, you know, a speed demon type receiver, a real deep threat, is, has been thwarted by an ACL injury. But he appears to be back fully healthy. He started his career in 18 when Chris Jones was still there as the head coach, GM, defensive coordinator, and football pooba of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> you know, I think he held something like 17 different titles. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> Feels like not it. that much. Not that much. Um, and, of course, Chris Jones now wields essentially all of that power still, uh, only now with the, with the Edmonton Elks. So, to me, this is about giving Taylor Cornelius, a young quarterback, as many weapons mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, fans need to remember that Dylan Mitchell – became a star late in the season there, uh, a rookie receiver who did some absolutely great things. They already signed him to a contract extension. So this is a team when you pair those those newcomers along with, with Mitchell, along with, with Manny Arsenault, who finished the season there, and, and I think played surprisingly well given his age. Um, they, they've certainly got him the weapons. The, the O-line is, is, is not great in my mind, but it's certainly not bad. Um, and we know that Chris Jones can can coach a defense, and so I, I do like a lot of the moves that the Elks have made. I'm surprised at how much money they've given some of these receivers. Eugene Lewis expected a check in around three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Stephen Dunbar reportedly two hundred thousand dollars. I had a source tell me this morning Kyron Moore got one hundred thirty thousand dollars. So they're investing a ton of money in this receiving core. But again, I understand how they or I understand why they're doing it because they don't have a terribly expensive quarterback and they obviously want to give him all of the weapons possible to make his job as easy as possible. Yeah, you mentioned the money getting thrown around, and, and you know, like I, I got a real Milade's numbers, 240000 this year, 250000 next year, 100000 in a signing bonus. That was a lot of concern, at least in my camp, and maybe a lot of CFL fans, that out of that pandemic, were we going to see some bigger contracts, even like were we just going to see more than one years? Were we going to see some guaranteed money? And Are we getting that? Finally, in uh, you know the second year coming out uh, of the pandemic, this will be the f- second decent full run from the CFL since then. Are we seeing more, uh, a little bit more longer term deals, maybe a little more money because the league's showing a little bit more uh, strength and more, more uh, I guess, positivity coming out of the the pandemic? Well, money wise, the salary cap has gone up for 2023 as part of the new CBA. Mm-hmm. We're entering year two of a seven year agreement that was established last year after a brief player strike in terms of money i don't think we're seeing a ton of new money being thrown around and the reason for it is while the cap went up the league minimum salary also went up 65 was the minimum salary in 2022 this year it's seventy thousand dollars and that's only a difference of five thousand dollars but you have to remember on any given team you've got you know 15 to 25 guys depending on the team depending on the year 
who are making that. And so a lot of the new money that is found under the new cap is just going to, to raising the salaries of the guys who are at the bottom end of the roster. Uh, that being said, for the length of contracts, I think there's been a very positive change. Under the new CBA, teams can guarantee money in future years of contracts, of multi-year agreements, provided the player in question is a veteran, which is to say they've already completed a one CFL contract, and if they have spent two years with that same club previously. And that was specifically designed to help teams retain talent because for a long time since the CFL allowed veterans to sign one-year deals in 2014, the complaints from fans, uh, members of the media, even the teams themselves at times, just that this league has become too transient and there's too many guys who are, who are going across the country seemingly every single season. Yeah. And this year I have noticed far more multi-year contracts. And I think part of the reason for that is that last requirement I mentioned. If you have to be on a team for two years to get guaranteed money, like let's use Kenny Lawler as an example because he just signed back with Winnipeg or, or will be signing back with Winnipeg next week, I should say. He left Winnipeg for a bunch of money in Edmonton in 2022. I don't think he enjoyed his season there too terribly much, didn't do a lot of winning. Had he just stayed in Winnipeg, he could have signed with guaranteed money on his deal right now. But because mm. he hasn't been on the same team for the past two years, he can't. So what does he do? He signs a two-year deal with Winnipeg, and now as a free agent in February 2025, he will have the option of signing a multi-year extension in Winnipeg at the age of 30, and he'll be able to get guaranteed money in the future years of that deal, which when you're 30 is a big deal because CFL teams, generally speaking, love to cut receivers, right, yeah. who, who have bad years and are over the age of 30 if they can. They want to get out of the future years of that deal to, to save some money. So uh, to me, that is the most positive thing that we're seeing. And that's not to say that there won't be exciting free agents on the market next year. There, there's still a bunch of, of exciting free agents that are that are set to hit the market this year. But fans asked for more continuity yep. in team rosters, and they are getting that right now. And I think that that is a very positive step for, for fans, for teams, and, and even the players themselves mm -hmm. who have expressed their desire to spend more time in one community and uh, enjoy a little bit more longevity and be able to set down some roots, so to speak, wherever they choose to play. Yeah, that's that's well put there. I think this in a league that, ha that is struggling to find uh, that younger viewer and uh, I think for young fans to leech on to players and have them be in their market for a while and for long term is big and can only help that team and this league going forward because the player movement got a little too crazy. And I think Dave Dickinson actually mentioned that either in his press conference or earlier on a hit on our station earlier this week. He, he mentioned he, he wants to he likes to see when guys stay in that market uh, out in B.C. They begin life without Nathan Rourke. They've got their guy now in Vernon Adams Jr. locked up. What did what did B.C. need to do in the mind to take that next step in the West? Well, B.C., I, I think the number one thing they needed to do was was keep Nathan Rourke. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's not something they had a lot of control over yeah. when when the Jacksonville Jaguars come along and, and want to sign you. Um, as much as Nathan Rourke was, was potentially going to make a ton of money next season on an extension, I don't blame him for a second for, oh, for wanting to pursue the NFL. Of course, the CFL is always going to be there for Nathan Rourke, and that's something that, you know, if, if let's say he goes to camp with Jacksonville, does poorly, gets cut, you know, he, he, he's in a situation where he can wait until next year and then negotiate with all nine CFL teams. Does mm -hmm. he want to be in, in Vancouver long-term? That's my guess. That's where he's originally from. 
Um, that's where obviously he, he became a star in this league, but uh, he, he's a guy who, who I think was very smart to, to pursue the, the NFL. That said, Vernon Adams Jr. has been a good quarterback in this league. He went four and two as a starter this past season in BC following that trade. Uh, a couple of those victories came against Ottawa and Edmonton. One of them came against Winnipeg's backups, but he went into McMahon Stadium and he beat the Calgary Stampeders 31-29. And, and that, to me, was, was a very, very impressive victory. That was his first start as a member of the BC Lions. And, and so much as I, I think this team will take somewhat of a step back uh, without Nathan Work, and that's not a slight against Vernon Adams Jr. I think any team, you know, coming mm-hmm. off a, a season in which they had MOP caliber quarterbacking, you know, Nathan Work for me at the midway point of the season was the league's MOP. Of course, he didn't play the second half of the season due to a foot injury. Um, so I, I, I do think they'll take somewhat of a step back. What do they need to improve? I think the thing that they need to improve at least a little bit is I think they need to add a little bit to that defensive line. I think they need to enhance that pass rush a little bit. I I don't think they have a ton of money to spend against the salary cap, but if there's someone like a Sean Lemon, a Julian Houser, even a Jagera Davis, who's willing to go out West and play there, I think that is a spot they need to address. Obam Guachem, defensive end, who I think is, is underrated playing for that team, still a pending free agent. Not sure if he'll be back. So to me, that is the position I would highlight for BC as, as a spot. I think they need to get better in 2023. John, what are we working on uh, down at the three down nation ahead of uh, free agency on Tuesday? Well, we're going to have a live blog running all day and, and hopefully between my colleague, Justin Duncan, I will be breaking a lot of signings. There's already a lot of signings, as you pointed out, yeah. that have taken place or at least signings that have been agreed upon in principle and will be executed next week. But that CFL free agent list this year is so long, I do think there will be a lot of marquee players still available on the market, and uh, I'm excited to see where they end up. I can't wait for Tuesday. We'll be following along for sure, John. Thank you very much for this. We'll do this again soon. Appreciate it. Anytime. There you go. It's John Hodge, one of the best CFL reporters going out at 3 Down Nation. Him and Justin Dunk do great work for this league. Check them out, 3 Down Nation on Twitter and on the Google machine. The Flames are into Buffalo tomorrow, 10.30 start right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We'll hear from the uh, the voice of the Sabres up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.